welcome to Geek Between the Lines, a podcast that explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. I'm Chris. And this week we are talking about Defiance in Star Wars. We are indeed. Yes. So, do you have a question to start us out? Yeah, sure. Well, we, we talked when we covered Defiance in the Hunger Games about mm-hmm. times when we have been defiant. So maybe we, we can kind of go outward from there. So is there a character or a property or something that engages with defiance in a way that is interesting or compelling to you? We've already covered it in Hunger Games, so I just want to reiterate okay. that I feel like Hunger Games is one of the best examples of defiance mm-hmm. in any geeky series, and... I love it. I think part, I mean, there's a lot of reasons I kind of admire the defiance in Katniss. But one of the reasons I think is because I think I'm a fairly defiant person in personality. But when it comes down to individual situations, I'm not always as quick on my feet as she is Mm. to be defiant. I have a little more premeditated defiance, but she's able to like just do it in the moments when something happens where I might be taken aback and be like kind of shocked. And so like I don't respond right away, whereas she can just respond right then and be defiant. And it's amazing. Well, I think that that's because her (laughs) first response to things is defiance, right? (laughs) And I think that she may regret some of her defiance later on if she or if That's she had true. really considered it, she wouldn't be as defiant. I think her immediate reaction is to defy someone who tries <laughs> to tell her what to do. That's true. <laughs> which is great, which is a, a very, very fun and interesting character attribute to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would appreciate having a little bit more of that in myself. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I, I think the one that comes to mind is... Uh, in the video game Bioshock, there's a a part, and this is spoilers for the game, but there's a part where you find out that the entire game, as you've been doing these objectives and things like that, one of the characters in the game has been mind controlling you the whole time to do it. And they have like a code word that makes you do these things that you've been doing as as objectives in this video game. And there's no other choice in the video game, right? As most video games have, you know, there's not a lot of choice in, in how you have to move forward in the level or what have you. And so it's just a really interesting commentary on how that works within video games and kind of making you feel, even though you're playing this game the same way that you're playing any other game where you have the level ahead of you and you're going to do the level, it made you feel, it made me feel defiant because I felt like I was robbed of a choice, even though I never had that choice to begin with in most games. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just thought it was an interesting commentary on kind of choice and defiance within that medium. The game Bioshock is is often praised as one of the genre-defining games of the last 20 years, 10, 20 years, in part because of its ways of kind of engaging with those kinds of issues. And that's what came to mind for me. Yeah. So before we get started with the episode, you listeners may be aware that we have started our Patreon campaign. Yay! And uh, it's only a week old now, but we've already gotten several patrons, which we are very, very excited about and thankful for. And because of that, we are going to start honoring our patrons. And so today we have one of our patrons who we want to mention on the air because we want to not only thank them, but talk about the geeky call out or fact about these people as well. And, and hers has to do very specifically with Star Wars. So it's a perfect time to, to mention. So this person happens to be my mother. <laughs> <laughs> one of our first patrons, gasp. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being supportive, mom. So my mom, Jeanette, in the 70s, 
when she and my dad had been dating, this new movie was coming out. Basically, my dad wanted to like blindfold her and take her to the marquee, but I don't think that she wanted to be blindfolded. So she was like, I'll close my eyes. So she's like walking down the street, <laughs> eyes closed. And then he's like, okay, look. And it says, you know, Star Wars A New Hope. Hmm. And she was just like, what's that? <laughs> and he was like, you haven't heard about Star Wars yet? So they went to the movie. My mom loved it so much. She went home to her family and was like, we're all going to this movie. And <laughs> ever since then, my family has been Star Wars fans. And it was all because of that little date. That's so cute. Well, thank you again, Jeanette. And uh, to all of our, our patrons so far, if you want to join these ranks, you can find our Patreon by searching for Geek Critique Pod on Patreon.com, and, and you can be called out as well. Exactly. So anybody who becomes a patron gets a mention and whatever geeky fact that they want to share. It doesn't even have to be a specifically about our five geeky properties that we look at. It can be about anything that's geeky about you. So thanks for that fun fact, and we're going to go into... Our quote that comes from The Phantom Menace. So it's after Qui-Gon has been killed and Obi-Wan is talking with Master Yoda. Master Yoda, I give Qui-Gon my word. I will train Anakin without the approval of the council if I must. And Yoda goes on to be like, you're defiant like Qui-Gon is. (laughs) Qui-Gon's defiance I sense in you. (laughs) Thank you for that. You're welcome. (laughs) And it's funny because Qui-Gon is a defiant character even though he doesn't seem as defiant as you would think because he's has Liam Neeson's voice (laughs) (laughs) which is just so soothing and Mm. he seems like just so nice and yeah just a starkly different character than someone like Katniss right Mm. and so you when you're thinking of defiant characters he wouldn't necessarily come to mind but in the star wars universe in the jedi order he's actually a very defiant character absolutely yeah yeah and, and it's interesting Obi-Wan that Obi-Wan followed too. Yeah, Obi-Wan's defiance, because he is not naturally i think a defiant character but he mm-hmm. gains it out of loyalty to qui-gon yeah and and i think he he definitely grows into it a bit more mm-hmm, totally like, yeah Well, speaking of characters who show defiance, do you have a character that you brought for us today? I decided I absolutely had to go with Princess Leia. Ah. Because I still remember growing up watching these movies and just that first scene that you actually see her in, really, interacting with Vader and Tarkin, right? And just the amount of defiance defiance she shows yeah it was just so cool and it was Mm. just so brave and gutsy and i i loved it and i think she does just show so much strength in her defiance like she's being defiant to besides the emperor the most powerful people in the galaxy and you know she's just gonna say what she's gonna say and she's gonna be snarky and disrespectful and all of these things so much contempt in her voice exactly so much contempt and just insulting them to their faces even though she knows something terrible is probably going to happen to Mm. her she'll be tortured for information or this or that and despite that she's still going to yeah yeah even after she's been tortured, the mm-hmm. first thing she says to to Luke <laughs> is a snarky comment. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. she's been no way broken. Yeah. So, I love her defiance, and I think you, you do get to see it elsewhere. I mean, obviously, in the newer movies, she helps completely lead the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Resistance I, uh, at that point. I know. It's just, they're too close. <laughs> <laughs> Resistance. But I think she she does show defiance at different points, but I don't feel like she ever has quite as much defiance as she had in that first movie, mm. at least to me. And I do wish that at the, the end of Return of the Jedi that she, her defiance had played a little bit more of a role because I think that is an integral part of her character. And towards the end of that movie, I felt that she was a little, in some ways, a little damselfied. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Or if not damselfied, leaned into Hashtag her damselfied. as <laughs> like leaned into her defining characteristics as a woman, right? Yeah. Where you know she's now the like princess of the Ewoks, you know, and yeah. like they're treating her in this way because she's female and she has these you know feminine, you know, typically feminine characteristics and things like that. Whereas, mm-hmm. yeah, her first appearances are so so defiant and so breaking out of the tropes that are typically given to female characters particularly in 1978 yeah totally although i guess towards the end she does have the moment where i just got shot but i'm ready to that's true <laughs> you know got her gun ready exactly that that point being the point that is so characteristic of her that that's when han says i love you mm-hmm. is also i think really great because it's it's showing that this is what he loves about her. This is her defining characteristic to him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of defiance is captured in that type of, like, unrelenting, not going to give up, Mm -hmm. even in the face of trials, ridiculous odds, or absolute destruction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what about your plot? Speaking of Return of the Jedi, Mm -hmm. I decided to discuss the scenes between Luke, Vader, and the Emperor at the end of Jedi. Mm -hmm. And Luke's defiance of the Emperor in that scene. And his defiance of fighting. Luke is deciding that he will not use violence to try to strip away the violent nature of his father. Or to fight that, that violence with violence. And he is in the presence of the most powerful being in the galaxy, arguably. And he refuses to play the Emperor's game. He refuses to engage. And the entire conflict there is not the Emperor trying to kill him or torture him or do these other things. It's trying to manipulate him. And it's much more of defiance, not in a a physical way, but in a mental way, right? Of trying to maintain his composure and his ideals and his principles in this situation as as hard as it might be. Well, and it's interesting, too, because he he goes in with this intention mm-hmm. yeah showing that defiance and and not just participating in the emperor's little game mm-hmm. pretty much that he set up and he has that intention and he works with it for a while but then he fails at it right because he fights vader in the end he still is able to go back and continue that defiance right. because he doesn't end up killing him but obviously he already was let his rage fuel the fight and cut off his his father's arm right but he is able to 
to go back to that defiant stance in the end. And I, and I, I think that that's an interesting characterization for him too, because we see him struggling with the dark side. Mm-hmm. And I think it's why one of the reasons why his engagement with the light and the dark side is more compelling than Anakin's. Because mm-hmm. Anakin just falls. And you see Anakin struggling no with... Reason. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, we see him struggling with basic ideas of not liking when bad things happen in the universe and wanting to control everything. And like, okay, I get that. But we don't see a real engagement. And as you were mentioning, you know, with Luke, we see him go back and forth. We see, see him lose footing and then come back, right? We see him struggle with this in real time and Anakin it's like once he's fallen he's fallen mm-hmm. and you don't see that struggle and and although coming back from slaughtering children to cutting off your evil father's arm there's there's a higher bar for bouncing back from that. I mean yes Luke also just had better writing in general and like yeah yeah, yeah. but I think that there's still just something that's very, very interesting about that. And I think that sometimes, as Luke shows, standing up for your principles means defying something. And as you're mentioning, in the face of almost certain defeat mm-hmm. uh, and in the face of losing something that you care about, in his case, losing his life, the lives of his friends and things like that. But he refuses to fall into the trap to lose his principles based off of what the, the emperor is trying to do to him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it kind of makes me wonder, too, if Luke isn't as good at being defiant because he didn't grow up ever really needing to practice it, whereas Leia grew up as a part of this rebellion she's had all the time in the world to think about it and be taking direct action, whereas Luke is newer to the scene totally yeah his family tried to protect him his whole life whereas her family prepared her her whole life Mm -hmm. to be defiant exactly because in that same scenario like i don't think she would have ever given in (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yeah i mean even when they're going to blow up her home planet with her parents and everything Mm. she's still gonna give them a fake location Mm -hmm. she's awesome yeah she's amazing Well, I suppose we should move on to our compelling questions. That's a great idea. Mine is kind of wondering about, within the Star Wars universe, what do you see as the difference between defiance and rebellion? Ooh, that's a great question. You know, I don't know if I see a difference. I I, I kind of see rebellion as the representation of defiance in Star Wars. And and I think that that's, that's why the movie begins with a rebellion you know the first movie begins with a rebellion as the institutional protagonist Mm -hmm. is that this is the encapsulation of the defiance against tyranny and against the established order i think the interesting thing though is though when you see how that rebellion is mirrored in the prequel and then sequel trilogies because For the prequel trilogies, the Separatists are technically the rebels, right? They are in defiance Mm -hmm. of the Republic, but they're not seen as protagonists. Mm -hmm. And similarly, Mm -hmm. at least when you think about Episode 7, the First Order are defiant rather than the Resistance, right? The Resistance... What do you you mean? Because the the First Order is defying the established New Republic. Oh, yeah. Right? They are... Mm -hmm really more rebels than the resistance is the resistance is defiant but the first order is rebellious 
So, yeah, I don't know. I guess defiance, I think defiance is more principled, whereas rebellion is, could be defined as more institutional, right? Mm -hmm. Where rebellion we see in, in the sequel trilogy at least, yeah, as the First Order is rebelling against what they see as a system that they they don't agree with and they don't want. Yeah. But the resistance is created to defy that evil authoritarian movement. Now, what were you thinking? Well, yeah, I was first of all when I was just like looking up to tr- try to find a quote, right? And you know, I was searching defiance in Star Wars. It came up with there's a a ship called Defiance hmm. that's a star cruiser was part of the rebellion but then there's also the Defiant which is an imperial star destroyer oh interesting and so I just thought that that was really interesting like looking at on regardless of what side you're on you can be seeing things as Defiant mm-hmm. and it really depends on what you're defying but I was kind of thinking that maybe most of what we see in Star Wars is rebellion. It's not defiance. Because for me, and and maybe I'm thinking about it too narrowly, but defiance to me almost seems like short range. Hmm. So to me, it feels like you need to be directly interacting with someone and that has to be potentially putting yourself in harm's way by mm. doing this defiant act. And so when, not that people who are part of the rebellion or the resistance aren't actually uh, in danger, but when it's far away and when you're just kind of a part of this movement, I don't know that it has the potency of defiance. Mm. And then I was kind of thinking a little bit about the ring that Rose had, right, mm-hmm. and gave to a little boy. You move part of the ring and the center turns and you can see the resistance insignia. But that that's a covert thing. And I don't think defiance is covert. Interesting. But I don't know if that's right, but that's just kind of what makes sense to me, that it, defiance would have kind of automatic repercussions for what you're doing. So something that I was thinking about was in in the Solo movie, that whole planet that they went to where all of the people who originally lived there before they started like having to mine and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, it was mining, right? Wasn't it? Probably. <laughs> cool. They were, you know, they had stood up and said no and they were using their voice to say no and then that's when they cut their tongues out, right? So that they couldn't do that anymore and like that's defiance versus kind of from far away we're going to be like shooting things uh to me that doesn't feel as much like defiance but, interesting yeah so uh, so this is my thoughts defiance is more overt whereas rebellion can be and at times needs to be covert uh in in its mm-hmm. in the way it engages yeah that's interesting yeah so hmm. Hmm. well what's your what's your uh question 
My question actually harkens back to the quote that we chose. How do you think things would have been different if Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan were the ones who ultimately trained him, but if they hadn't been given permission to train Anakin and they did defy the order in order to train him? How do you think that would have, uh, would have gone for the universe? Interesting. I think it probably would have been better for Anakin. Hmm. I don't think that he would have turned the same way because... If Obi-Wan was going to train him outside of the Order, then he would have been kicked out of the Order. And in which case, they wouldn't have been there. They wouldn't have been interacting with Palpatine, and maybe Palpatine would have tried to somehow find them and do things. But I don't don't know. It wouldn't have been able to be at all in the same timeline because he needed to gain power, right, Mm. in Coruscant. So I think it would have, yeah, messed with a lot of things plot-wise. But the question would be, would the Jedi Order have allowed it to happen? Mm. Because somebody can leave the Jedi Order, but would they allow the training of people in Jedi ways into like build lightsabers and all of that outside of their control. It happens, right? I mean, that's how you get random people popping up who mm-hmm. who can use the Force and, and have Jedi skills. But they would know about this one, which is a little different. So, yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah, because I don't think that Obi-Wan would have trained Anakin to defy the Jedi Order. But I think that having a an environment and a context which is outside of that order's purview does make it, I think, maybe easier for Anakin to understand gray areas, something that he didn't really pick up as a student (laughs) of the order, right? And that the the order itself is not infallible. It's just fallible. Yeah, (laughs) it is fallible. And I think that, that, that finding... That might have made Anakin's training more useful. Well, and he wouldn't have been as frustrated with the constraints of the Order, which contributed to him turning. Precisely. Yeah, true. But then, on the other hand, without having the institutional support of the Order, maybe he would be more of a risk to be encouraged or taken in by the Empire. But if he also didn't have the legitimacy of the Order as a Jedi Knight, would he be able to do the same terrible things that he ended up doing? So yeah, just an interesting what-if universe. Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't we go to our missed opportunities? So mine is, if we're differentiating between Rebellion and Defiance. Okay. I want to see more Defiance in Star Wars, like Mm. especially in the newer Star Wars movies, Mm. because we've talked about the original trilogy. But I don't, I don't see it quite as much in the, in the current ones. And we did, we did have the amazing moment. Ah, maybe I don't want to. If, if people haven't watched the Clone Wars, but here's I'll a just, spoiler I'll for just, Clone Wars. No, 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 I won't give the spoiler. I'll just say what happens at the end with Ahsoka mm. Tano. It's not a defiance that it's like, oh, I'm defying this to then have an effect. It's just like I'm being defiant in this way. Because I have to be that. Because nothing else would be right for me to do. And I think you get to see some defiance within that series. But also the series sometimes like starts off rough. But has some rough patches. Totally. So it's a little harder to engage with. And even if you are going to engage with it. You know there's not as widespread engagement than with 
the theatrical movies that come out, right? And so I just wish that in these newer movies, you had more of those like defiant moments by just one specific character in the face of a villain. Yeah, like Leia. That would just make it, I think it would make me be rooting for the characters more. It's not that I don't care about the characters. I like them, but they just, they don't have that extra punch that I want from some of them. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to push back on the idea that there's no defiance. I think that the defiance isn't nearly as, you know, it's not the kind of thing I'm going to stand up in my seat and cheer like I would for Leia's. Mm -hmm. But I think that The Last Jedi, at least, is all about defiance, right? Rey defining Luke, Kylo Ren defying Snoke, and Poe defying basically the whole rebel leadership, right? <laughs> True. I, I see these characters as as being defiant against kind of the establishment with mixed results and for, for different mm-hmm, reasons. And I mm-hmm. think that, that there's more nuance there and there's more, there, there's a lot of interesting things to kind of bite into but But it's just not as iconic as the defiance of of leia sure but is kylo's killing snoke defiance because then there can be no repercussions right he's dead so will we call that defiance or is that just killing somebody who's in power yeah but it's killing someone who's in power who themselves is so clear of of in their idea what their power is means in regards to your relationship with them is that you are a servant you will do what they say and Mm -hmm. you are defying that relationship by killing them true i guess i guess part of it is like does the person you're defying need to know you're defying them for it to be defiance it's an interesting question yeah yeah i don't know i think that you can defy gravity i'm defying gravity Oh, yes, I see you up there floating. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that you can at least make the argument that as Snoke is dying, he understands what's killing him, even if it's for a second. But Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. true, it's true. Well, my missed opportunity is in regards to defiance within the Sith paradigm. Because I think that so much of, of the Sith in the prequels has, like, some interesting meat to chew on in regards to defiance that I wish that they'd explored more of. For one, the rule of two itself is creating their structure based off of the eventual defiance of a apprentice against their master. That's mm-hmm. always going to be the case, and that, that's how they, they want it to be, which I think is very interesting because as they are building this this coup, basically, to take over the universe, they are then building a universe that's not one that is built on defiance, right? It's not a building against the precepts of the Jedi Order for the freedom of the universe. It is to instill an authoritarian government that will have no defiance against it, right? They mm-hmm. they will refuse defiance. And so I guess it's interesting that the, the Sith ideology is both focused around a personal defiance and centered around a a desire to build up your power to stop the defiance of others. And I think that it would be more interesting to, to, to kind of see more of that. I think that having them operate in the shadows to such an extent in the prequel trilogy when you're defi- when you're when you're you're building prequels like we know who these characters are right we don't need to <laughs> like i think it'd be interesting to show more of what was going on with palpatine as he's 
making these plans, why he's doing the things that he's doing, because we know he's the emperor, we know he's gonna be bad. So if we're gonna go back and see what happened, I would have loved to see more of what happened and why and what their perspectives were, in particular in regards to how they ideologically saw themselves defying the status quo or the system that existed under the, the rule of the Senate and the Jedi. Yeah, it's interesting because the Sith defiance would be a personal defiance versus like a principled defiance. Mm-hmm. Theirs is not a rebellion. Yeah. Right. I mean, they didn't want to create a rebellion. They wanted to create a monopoly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I guess we should go to our takeaways. What what what, uh, what lesson will you take away from this discussion? I don't know. I kind of do want to sit with more thinking about, yeah, ideas of, of defiance versus rebellion and just a little kid being like, no, is not the same as Leia being like, oh, I should have expected to find Tarkin, you know, holding your leash or whatever it was. Mm. Uh, so... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think my takeaway is similar in that I am interested now as episode nine comes, you know, at the end of the year Mm -hmm. to watch the film and look at it and analyze it in terms of is the defiance or rebellion that we see, how does that fit in with the rebellions that we saw previously in the other trilogies? Is it that covert or that overt style? Is it institutional or personal you know like where is this being directed and how does this how is this shown and and how does the movie frame that as defiance or rebellion or being called the rise of skywalker is it going to be trying to tie that back into systems that already exist i I guess yeah those are some of the questions that are on my mind after this discussion with the final film of the skywalker saga coming out this year yeah, yeah, definitely. And honestly, I need to rewatch the other ones more because I've only seen The Force Awakens twice in The Last Jedi once, I think. I've seen it, I think I've seen three times, three and one, three uh, times and once, yeah. But. Yeah, but compared to the other ones, I've seen the others a lot more times, so. I mean, I say we just do it nine movie marathon oh goodness over several days but <laughs> maybe you're six <laughs> uh, i think it'd be well, fun no, no, to, to the see prequels. them all I, I can watch those ones on my own <laughs> anyways anyways well before we go into what we'll talk about next week why don't we talk a bit more about our new patreon campaign yeah basically we launched this patreon it's up you can go check it out check out all the different tiers and so far we have actually made our first goal which was to get to $25 a month and at that goal we are going to be recording some just fun geeky childhood memories that both Chris and I have I mean separately since we know each other as children (laughs) (laughs) and those episodes are going to be available to any of our patrons Mm -hmm. regardless of what level you're at so Thanks for helping us reach that so far. Yeah, it's so exciting. Yeah, so we have five patrons that helped us get there. And our challenge, or one of our challenges, is to get to 10 within a month of launching the Patreon. So the cutoff for that will be June 8th. So we have 
three weeks left and we're halfway there. So if you want to become our patron, now is a great time to become one (laughs) and you'll get fun things. And then if we get 10 within that first month, we are going to record a geeky episode about our little rom-com love story (laughs) that's ridiculous and funny and amazing and has a lot of twists and turns. So, if you want to hear what happened, how Chris and I got together, become a patron. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and our next goal in regards to funding is if we reach $50 a month, I'm going to start doing monthly blog posts where I kind of do more analysis of some of the geeky stuff that I'm interested in. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. I'm hopeful that we'll, we'll get there because I've got some, some great ideas of, of things that I could cover in that format. So when this goes live, uh, we're about $11 away from unlocking that goal. So uh, if you're interested in becoming a patron, uh, now's the time to do it. That'd be really exciting. Yeah, we would definitely appreciate the support. So if you want to become one of our patrons, you can go to patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. And we, of course, we'll have a link in our show description as well. Well, with that, could you bring up what we'll be talking about next week? Sure. So we're going to be going back to Harry Potter. And we're going to look through the theme of friendship. Aww. That'll be nice. We've done such dark ones recently. (laughs) Friendship and Harry Potter. That's going to be so nice. Yes, that'll be great. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. You can also go to our website, bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines. Or go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. We also want to thank Kimberly Taylor-Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. It's always helpful for you to provide a rating, a review, and to make sure that you subscribe to our podcast. And, of course, to tell a friend because word of mouth happens to be the best way for us to get new listeners. So Yeah, how are you doing on that challenge we gave you last week? Yeah, that's right. Have you gotten so, a new listener for us yet? Yeah, we want everyone <laughs> to find one new listener within this first month of our Patreon campaign. Just just so we can, can get some more listeners and, and so that you all can have other people in your lives that you can, you know, share this geekery goodness with. And again, we want to thank all of our patrons for helping us to, uh, to expand and to remain sustainable with our work. With that, we're going to close out this episode. We'll see you next week. Until then, geek, geek out! out.